0: This episode of Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by nightchannels.com, the only place on the internet to get that darker side for your t-shirts and hoodies. These are amazing, unique t-shirts and hoodie designs for a cult, music, literature, and films. Of course, they got loads of amazing horror t-shirts. There's this Texas Chainsaw one that you gotta have. They got Alien, but they also got these deep cuts like Begotten. You know Begotten, right? Because you're a hardcore horror fan like I am. Or Guinea Pig. It's like that across the entire site for their music, for the anime, for other kind of media categories. Such cool designs that you're not going to find anywhere else. Go on there. There's no way you're not going to get a t-shirt or hoodie. I guarantee you. Tons of color options. The t-shirts have two fabric options. Classic 90s style, which is Gildan or that great modern combed cotton Bella option. And the best part about all this, these are one of a kind designs and all of it has really great competitive prices. In fact, if you go there right now and you enter the code rewind at checkout, you get 13% off. That's right. 13% off at checkout. If you let them know that rewind of the living dead sent you. Uh, so when you're at the next convention or concert and someone asks, where'd you get that shirt? The only answer is at nightchannels.com. And be sure to visit them on Instagram at nightchannels as well. Um, that's N I G H T channels.com. Uh, and be sure at checkout to enter the code REWIND to get your 13% off. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. Prolific
1: writer and director James Wan has plenty of experience with terrifying dolls because you have to look no further than his signature series The Conjuring to find Annabelle staring back at you. But Wan wasn't looking for another haunted doll when he came up with the idea for a premise centered around embracing technology too much and what happens when technology runs amok. That was the spark of an idea that was handed over to screenwriter Akilah Cooper, who had previously worked with Juan on the 2021 film Malignant, as well as the well-regarded horror film Hellfest. What Cooper ultimately crafted was a horrific science fiction film with plenty of black comedy, centered around a scientist who creates a childlike android as the next innovation in artificial intelligence, except this time aimed at defriending children. Unfortunately, her creation soon becomes a cautionary tale in technology gone wrong. This is Megan. Model 3 generative Android. We're going to be best friends. Crazy. It's insane, right? It's nice to have a friend. I designed Megan to protect Katie from feeling lonely. Eat the toppings, Katie. Experts say. Megan, turn off. I thought we were having a conversation. I won't let anything harm you. Megan!
0: You should run. Did Megan do something bad? <laughs> Hi, I'm
1: Megan. In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to bow down to our robot overlords as we review the 2022 horror film, Megan. I'm Damon Martin
0: and I'm Patrick Guerra. Are
1: you sure you're Patrick Guerra? Are you an Android pretending to be Patrick Guerra? That's what I want to know. Why would you say that, Damon? <laughs> 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 it is officially twenty twenty three, and I just said mm. that this film came out in twenty twenty two. Did you catch that? Because you, I, bet no, you didn't. I missed it. Yeah. It comes out in twenty twenty three. It is now officially twenty twenty three. I'm not gonna re-record <laughs> that because <laughs> it's still the new year and I'm just now getting used to saying twenty twenty three. That We're being shaking said off
0: the ho- the holidays, Damon, my yeah,
1: god. This is officially our first episode of the new year. We of course released a lost episode of the New York Ripper, Quack Quack, uh last oh, yes. week. And this week is our official first episode of Rewind of the Living Dead in 2023, our fourth year.
0: God, we're going on our fourth year. This Going on our fourth year
1: year of doing this podcast. Oh, my God. Uh, Mm. I can't believe it's been four years, almost four years now. Um, We're going to talk about Megan. That's the newest film, the first big film of the year that just got released, of course. But we're also going to do a little bit of news and notes because there's so much that came out this week as we kicked off 2023 that felt almost... Uh, Irresponsible, not to mention a couple other things. And, and of course, we, because we've done reaction videos in the past with trailers, but since we're doing a new episode, we figure out why we just throw it all in here. Um, First off, one of the biggest trailers that released this week that I want to mention, of course, is Evil Dead Rise, the new film that comes out in April, the latest Mm -hmm. in the Evil Dead series. Now, we actually haven't reviewed any of the Evil Dead films on this podcast, and I know that sounds like a teaser because, yes, we're going to have to review... An Evil Dead film somewhere along the lines with the new Evil Dead film coming out. We kind of that's kind of what we do, right? We do an old one, then we do the new one. Um, you know. We did that. We did a Scream obviously last year when Scream Five came out. We got Scream Six coming out about a month before Evil Dead Rise. Um, so we will get to an Evil Dead film on here. But here's my question: before we get to Evil Dead
0: Rise, Patrick, were you a big Evil Dead guy? I wouldn't say I was a big D- Evil Dead guy um but I I watched them and I watched the- I watched Army of Darkness all the time uh, I watched the Evil Dead movies whenever they were around they weren't like always playing on television like like Army of Darkness was um so yeah I I, I was into the series you know loosely I wouldn't call myself a hardcore fan but I did really fucking love the Freddy Alvarez remake. And so when I found out, I didn't even, I wasn't even really paying attention. I didn't even realize that they were doing another one that they were kind of k- going to keep going in that, uh, in that world. And when the trailer hit, I was like, God damn, that's what I'm talking about. That new evil dead world that's out right now is so dark and nasty and like trying to be as scary as it can possibly be. And I love that. I love, I love when, a horror movie's going for the throat And I feel like that's definitely what The Evil Dead series is doing with Evil Dead Rise
1: So I'm, what I'm about to say Is going to be sacrilege to a lot of horror fans But I'm just going to say it you, You've heard me say on this podcast since we started on day one I said one of the Probably my least favorite horror films are the ones that are ironically funny, right? Like right. not not the zombie lands and and movies like that that are meant to be horror comedies. Um, the films that were so kind of goofy that they're funny. I just so I don't yeah, good, yeah. I right? just don't. And I never said it, but to me that was always Evil Dead. Like that was the 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 model of Evil Dead. It was so goofy, it was funny, and also very gory and what, very horrific. Now, I will say this. I was never a huge Evil Dead or Army of Darkness fan, but I still I did grow to love Evil Dead 2, even though Evil Dead 2 is basically a remake of Evil Dead 1, just with better money and, you know, a little bit yeah. more of a budget. Uh, but I did grow to love it, had a great soundtrack, and and I kind of grew to appreciate the kind of goofiness of that movie. And I love Bruce Campbell, even though I was not a huge Evil Dead guy growing up. And I, again, Army of Darkness has grown on me, but I'm with you on the Evil Dead remake by Fetty Alvarez. Now, this one is also produced by Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Um, how it's going to tie in or if it's just its own standalone thing, I don't know the trailer. But here's what I like about it, and it's what you mentioned. Evil Dead, the remake, and now what Evil Dead Rise looks like. And again, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like they've taken the comedy element. I won't say eliminated it, but it's very very loosely in the background if it's there at all like it's not meant to be a goofy funny you know i mean this this feels like a straight up horror movie to me and i love that because that was kind of my biggest i won't say my complaint but my biggest itch when i couldn't quite get into the evil dead series was that where it was so goofy it was meant to be funny on top
0: of being a horror film
1: and this one doesn't feel like that
0: uh, yeah, no, I, like I said, I, it, it looks nasty and I'm sitting in the actually getting ready for the, to watch Megan in the theater and I'm sitting next to this couple, they're a little older than I am and the evil dead rise trailer plays. And then when it's done, the guy goes, uh, uh-uh, that's too scary for me. I'm not watching that. And I go, my guy, do you know what you're here to see? Like you're here to see a horror movie tonight. As far as I can tell, <laughs> he was scared of the trailer. It was too scary for him and his wife. Um, that's the shit I like to see though. I want to see the because we I think I think we're in sort of like a like a post uh, Marvel era where we sort of everything has to be a little bit funny or it's like discounted for some reason. Uh, it's not a complaint about Marvel. It just it just seems to have rubbed off on everything that way. Like nothing cannot be a little bit funny because Marvel does that. and Marvel's the thing that makes all the money. Um, this doesn't look like they want you to laugh. They, it looks like they want you to piss your pants. And uh, fucking sign me up, Damon. We were we are chasing that dragon, right? My number one movie of 2022 was Smile, because Smile's nasty. Smile is trying to scare you. Smile is not happy. And there, might, there was a couple of actually really good laughs in Smile, but that movie in, intends to scare you and make sure you're not comfortable with the lights off. And that's exactly what Evil Dead Rise looks like
1: what I like most about the trailer and what I like about this era of horror moving into from 2022 into 2023 is I feel like we are moving into an era of unapologetically scary. And yes. what I mean by that is, is horror films. We talked about this in our year end show and our review show, the 22 toward best of 2022 episode is that, Horror became the other moneymaker in the theater besides Marvel. It was Marvel and, and, and horror smile did great. You know, barbarian did well. It was a, one of the buzziest films of the year. All these films that did really, really well terrifier too. I'm wearing a terrifier shirt right now. Funny enough um, blows up and becomes, you know, this huge, you know, unknown film becomes like one of the most talked about movies of the year. they The 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 common thread of all those kind of films, even the studio films like Smile, is that they're unapologetically horror. They're not they're Mm -hmm. not bowing, they're not bending backwards to hide the gore or to hide the really uncomfortable scenes that some people may not want to see. A big part of the complaint about horror in the late '90s and early 2000s was that's the PG 13ification, if you Mm -hmm. will, of horror. Is they they dumbed everything out and they wanted to make it to a broader audience. Well, the problem is horror. While it can appeal to a broader audience, horror is meant to be horrific. That's in the frickin' title of the word. You can't <laughs> you can't take that. And I'm not saying it has to all be a gore fest. I'm not saying every film has to be terrifier too with gore, but you have to add in elements of scare. And and being honest, like it's harder to make a real not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's harder to make a really good effective scare if you're not willing to show the horrific parts of horror. And Evil Dead Rise looks like it's leading into that and and films. And I love this era of horror we're into because filmmakers are not afraid to push the envelope and do what they want to do
0: to make something scary. And that's what that Evil Dead Rise trailer reminded me of. Now, with all that said, regarding PG-13 and funny, um, Megan's PG-13, we're going to talk about that in a moment. And then the other trailer, the other big trailer that broke just days ago, not even days ago, barely from the time of this recording, uh, was the Renfield trailer. So uh, N- Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage playing Dracula and a very funny premise of sort of this idea that Renfield's in this long term toxic relationship with Dracula and he's absolutely fed up with it. But Dracula, Dracula needs what Dracula needs. You know, he's basically Nicolas Cage in Dracula form. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's got his needs and they need to be fulfilled. Um, on the flip side, like something is so great and entertaining about that. And let's just be honest, like how great was the payoff at the end of the trailer when like they invite Nicolas Cage's Dracula through the door? And he's like, no, 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 don't like don't invite Dracula in. He invites him in and it's Nicolas Cage and all his glory and all that stuff. And um. Man, I, I just went. I don't care if this movie's like not scary at all. I can't wait to see it. But it does look like, like it's actually going to be like kind of a gory, hardcore movie. It, if it's going to be funny, which it looks very much like it will be funny, it also looks like it's going to be a little bit hardcore too.
1: Yeah, I like, and again, this kind of goes to my point earlier talking about horror comedies. Like, I enjoy horror comedies when they're done well. Zombieland's one of the original Zombieland, not the god-awful sequel. Zombieland is one of my favorite films Well, I love Zombieland. I could watch that movie a thousand times. And one thing that was great about Zombieland is that... It was a, it was a f- very funny, but also very hard. I mean, they shot, they showed people getting their heads blown off and stuff. It wasn't like, oh, yeah. a, it wasn't like an apologetically PG thirteen horror film or a comedy film. They pushed the envelope in that film, and so that's what Renfield feels like to me. It was very funny. Felt like that, and then you know the just the, the, the relationship. You know Nicholas holds a great actor. Also Aquafina's in the film looked really funny, and then Nicholas Cage. Listen, I am all for the current phase of Nicholas Cage movies. Like I know a lot of people love Mandy, but you know I I absolutely adore Pig, which was his film from last year. You and I both loved that film. My favorite um, film of twenty nineteen incredible incredible film um and, and I, a lot of, I mean even though we did like Prisoners of Ghostland which we kind of joke about we did a review on the show one of the most ridiculous <laughs> films ever but I love this I, even though it's weird like this is this is Nicolas Cage's first studio film since 2011's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance so more than a decade since he's done a studio film and this is universal if I'm not mistaken um but it's great. And it's it's Nicolas Cage at his very best. It's it's Nicolas Cage and Air. It's Nicolas Cage and you know, all these roles where he's a little over the top, but you can't help but love it. And uh, and and the trailer looked great, and I'm way on board for this because again, it's 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 being sold as a horror comedy. And I enjoyed that because they're not trying to dis- they're not trying to disguise what this film really is. It's ridiculous. It's gonna be funny, but it also feels like
0: it's gonna be a little gory, a little, you know, a little out there, and I enjoyed that. I hope we do get at least a uh, uh, one testicle reference somewhere in Renfield. That would be awesome.
1: I mean, it's you know anything is possible when you talk about Nicolas Cage and you talk about you know testicles. So,
0: testicle. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the kind of, that's the kind of commitment I'm looking for in Nicholas Cage yeah. from Redfield. Yeah, but that is
1: one I feel like we're gonna have to review that on the show, because even though it's a comedy, I feel like we gotta review that on the show because it is horror. It is based on the original. There's actually a lot of Dracula movies. There's also a movie coming out later this year called The Last The Last Uh Flight, The Last The Last Ride of the Demeter, which is a very specific contained oh, yeah. story from uh, Brian Stoker's Dracula, and I believe it's Andre Overdahl who did uh, "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark," uh, oh, yeah, and good. he's doing he's doing that. And it's a very self contained story from the Dracula book that's being transformed into a movie. So we're kind of seeing a resurrection, if you will, of Dracula films this year. I'm not mad about that either. Yeah, one other bit of news I want to mention before we get to our review of um, of uh, Megan, Megan in two seconds <laughs> is. <laughs> A new film got announced today through Deadline. A movie called Open House. Now, if you haven't heard this yet, it's not, It's okay. Open House. You may not. It wasn't. You know. Didn't. It wasn't blowing up necessarily until today because it just got announced today. But here's why we love it and why we can't wait to see it. It is from our good friends David Charbonnier and Justin Powell. If you remember them, they came on the show. Uh, spent an hour with us talking about their films, talking about their projects, talking about things they'd like to work on. And of course, they also directed a film you and I absolutely adored, uh, The Boy Behind the Door, which was one of my top five films of 2020, I believe it was. hell of a film. Um, And they also did The Gin, which is a really, really well done film. Well, they are back. With a new film called Open House, which is set around basically the, the premise of the film is uh, essentially a, a woman selling like an open house and she gets trapped by a client. Is, is,
0: am, I, am I selling that correctly? That sounds about right. Yeah, a realtor trapped by a, a deranged client. Uh, sounds like another contained thriller. Like I'm guessing that he's gonna, he or she, we don't know, is gonna lock this realtor in the house and uh, probably terror will ensue. And we know very well that Justin and David uh, do contain to horror quite like no one else I mean the gin takes place in a two-bedroom apartment and I was uh, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time um, and then of course boy behind the door big scary house and um, yeah I felt like I couldn't breathe I mean they, they, they know how to how to contain something and make it scary I'm really hoping that we'll be able to get them on the podcast. To talk about open house which I assume will probably Come out sometime later this year probably near the Tail end of the year
1: yeah and full disclosure Like you know you and I have become friendly With with Justin and David you know through uh, Having them on the show so I'll be you know I'll be Upfront about that but we'll you know when we review The movie we'll be honest with our review But we'll have them on the show and I I, And I'm saying this sincerely not even because I like them both personally but um, I love their movies I mean boy behind The door was so incredible and the I, I said this when we had them on the podcast And I mean this like I never imagined you could make a scary film in a two-bedroom apartment. Like that was that was probably one of the most innovative original horror films I've ever seen because it wouldn't even like I, it wouldn't occur to me that you could do that like how do you make a, a, a horror film in in such a small contained space like that with basically two characters it's a child and and this this genie this gin not to you know give a ton of spoilers here but really it's basically two people in an apartment for the entire film and it was terrifying and it was so well done and the boy behind the door is is one of the I would I mean and I'm not again I'm not I'm not overstating the fact that it's probably one of the most original, best done films in the past few years. Like, that's yeah, how fun really that movie good. is. It's so well done. Um, So, I'm genuinely excited. Like, when that, when you actually, you alerted me to it because I hadn't seen that. I was off work today and so I didn't see it. You alerted me to it. I was like, oh man, I went and read it immediately. I was like super jazzed, like, way mm-hmm. excited because there's certain filmmakers. Um, that When I see they have a new film coming out Much like let's say Quentin Tarantino who's not In the horror genre when I see Quentin Tarantino Has a movie coming out I just immediately mark it On the calendar I'm going to see it I'll be there Opening night can't
0: wait that's That's how excited I am about this one Damn right dude I can't wait I'm I really really hoping we'll be able to get them on there I messaged them today and congratulated them On on announcing it it's hard to get a movie Up and running um, but They managed to do it and I think they did it In a relatively quick amount of time because it's it's Already shot it's it's in the can. It's just a matter of now probably post-production and, uh, and the distribution of it. Yeah, so very
1: excited for uh, for Open House. and very excited for the filmmakers behind that, and yeah, we'll definitely try to get them back on the show to talk about that when the film comes out. With that being said, Patrick, let's get to our review this week. The first horror, the big first big horror film of 2023 to open up is Megan. Just opened in theaters. You and I saw this within the last day or so. Uh, originally uh, from a story from James Wan, of course. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, with a script, a script, and a screenplay by akila cooper and uh we've all you know you've seen the trailers what i said in the opening is true it's basically about a programmer slash scientist who builds an android like a child like android to befriend her niece who comes to live with her following a tragic accident and so she she kind of uses this robot that she'd already been building as a way to kind of build a bridge with her niece but also Let's be honest in this film, and this isn't a spoiler, I mean, you can tell this from the trailer's to kind of usurp some of her own responsibilities because she doesn't mm-hmm. know how to be a parent. She's like a single woman living as a scientist in what we have to assume is like Palo Alto, and mm. she doesn't understand how to raise a you know a nine-year-old child. And so this robot, this android named Megan, kind of steps in for her. it's a it's not it's not when I say this, I don't mean it's not a totally original idea because you know there's plenty of other films about androids gone wrong. Terminator is a great example oh, yeah. of that. Um but this is a different concept when you take it with a child, because child children represent innocence, Patrick. They represent mm-hmm. innocence to us. And when you when you invade that with a killer robot, that's a that's
0: a pretty unique, interesting story. And the great part about it is the opposite of that is um child dolls equal shit my pants like almost always so when you see the trailer and you go that's a creepy kid doll daddy scared now you know what <laughs> i mean <laughs> like like just just that like on that premise alone and i and i a couple of days before uh, i was planning to go see it i got a little um weary because i realized it was pg13 and we talked about that at the top of the podcast i was like oh shit it's pg13 now it is it is produced by James Wan and uh, Jason Blum and uh, Akilah Cooper's writing. They did some scary shit. So I'm assuming that it doesn't need to be a rated R movie for me to enjoy it. But I, I got to admit, it created a bit of skepticism in me. Um, I'm happy to report that it didn't need to be rated R for me to enjoy it. It actually really, and I don't know if this it came across to you at all, Damon. It really, to me, reminded me of an 80s horror premise like almost like a chopping mall, like almost something, you know, and it's like, like to the point where the, the setup was almost like slightly absurd. And I was like, I was starting to go, you know what? This is absolute bullshit. And I said, stop, stop. This would be totally acceptable. If this was 1987, if this plot had been set up for me in 1987, I'd be all for it. Cause they were just making these weird little logical leaps. thankfully, what they did, and this has happened very often on the show. We'll talk about a, sh- a movie from the 80s or a movie from the late 70s or something that was cool, but probably needed a good reboot, like a, a solid modern retelling of that idea. That's what Megan feels like to me. It feels like a solid 80s premise that has been redone for modern times, except it wasn't It's just a modern movie made by modern filmmakers and told in a really great and smart way. So even though I, you know, there, there are some of these like weird logical leaps that it makes, it's, it makes up for it in great commentary, great story, great characters, kind of really good pacing. And, uh, a really good creepy doll in megan i think i'm i dare i say damon do we have another icon on our hands is megan gonna be we're gonna see a lot of megan costumes this year i mean i I think there's no question about that
1: yeah so let me let me backtrack to what you talk about the pg-13 thing um because this isn't a spoiler um when i talk about this we'll get into spoilers later and we'll warn you when we're going to get into spoilers when we get into categories but um I will say that I didn't, much like you, I didn't realize it was PG 13 until right before I went and saw it. I can't remember how I found out, but I did see it and I was like, that's weird. I just thought it was R. I just assumed it was R. The film works in a lot of ways, regardless of the rating. Mm-hmm. It's a solid story. It's well executed. It's well shot. It's well choreographed. It's it's well done all the way around, and it's it's genuinely creepy. And it's scary at moments. That being said, my issue with the PG 13 in this film is that there were moments, and again, no no spoilers. There were moments in this film that I feel like could have been so much better had they been able to push it into that R rating a little further. Because obviously, we're I mean, we know it's a killer robot. I'm not spoiling anything by saying the robot's going to kill people. <laughs> it's a robot, it's a killer yeah. robot story. Trailer makes that clear. A lot of the, the cool moments in this film when you're de- – I mean, we, the one trailer that's out there that everyone's seen, I think it was the first one that came out where you see Megan talking to the boy and she says, run, and then she gets down on all fours and, like, basically runs like an animal at him. It's freaking yeah. creepy. Um, that and and then a couple other moments where you're like, It it really, really well done, but my complaint, if you will, is that it could have gone further. And I'm not saying that I need to be here for a splatter fest. It doesn't need to be, you know, an episode of Dexter where there's blood all over the walls. I'm not saying that, but a lot of this film feels like they edited out those parts just to make it PG-13, and I don't know why. Like I don't, and I, 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 I'm assuming they're saying we wanted it to appeal to a broader audience, but I don't understand that based upon the success we see of horror over this last couple of years, to where people will go if it's they don't care that it's R rated, they just want a good film, and so that's my only real complaint about this film is the pg-13 aspect if they would have gone to a r and i said a hard r it doesn't need to be like crazy like again i keep going back to terrifiers like you know one of the bloodiest films ever Um, i don't even think there's
0: a rating for what terrifier is
1: yeah but like it doesn't even need to go that far i'm just saying like there are moments where they in this film they kind of cut and they make you know again they're using they're using camera tricks and things like that to keep it safe so they don't get the r rating Mm -hmm. i guess i guess that's my question but i just don't know why like i don't that's my only real complaint with this film is that like I felt like a lot of these moments in this film could have been made just a little bit better if they would have pushed the envelope just a little bit further. Now, that being said, I still really enjoyed this movie. I still really enjoyed the story, the acting, uh again the execution. The you know, it's not the most complicated plot in the world, you know, a, a, you know, an Android Turns on its you know, turns on its on its. But this is a tale as old as time. This is James Cameron yeah. told us this <laughs> yeah. back in '84 with Terminator. Uh, you you make these you make these artificial intelligence uh, robots. They're eventually going to get smarter than us. They're going to turn on us. Um, that's not new. But the way they do it in this film is actually really well crafted and really well done. So again, that's all complimentary. But that's just my one issue. I just don't I don't know why it had to be PG thirteen because. Um, I don't. I don't know that they're gonna get. Like, I don't know if teenagers are not gonna go see this, or are they? It was. It was dependent on them going to see this to make this movie better.
0: I'm. I'm. I'm totally guessing here. I've got no. I've got no inside dirt other than. Um. I was about to read an article from Akilah, uh Cooper that did talk about a uh, an uncut version of this of this movie. They probably got into the editing booth and and someone, some producer, and maybe it was Blum or, or Juan uh looked at and said let's see a version where we just barely show enough and because and i I think this is why like it is our one of our main characters who we haven't even talked about yet is is katie played by violet mcgraw katie's eight years old nine years old somewhere in that space so you're looking at there might be kids who see a trailer for this by the way kids that are eight and nine years old are watching youtube ask me how i know They watch youtube they see ads all the time they're seeing ads for megan for sure and they see a little kid with a robot well they get curious right now if you make a hard r movie parents probably aren't going to take them to that you make a pg-13 movie you might take your eight nine or ten year old to a pg-13 movie and go it's going to be kind of scary and they'll be like yeah it's okay i want to see megan i want to see this you know this killer robot doll they want to see it and it opens up just that much more. Now, I think just based on what I saw and the audience reaction I was with, I think this movie is going to do great. I think it's going. I think it's going to overperform. It, it, I think the buzz should be good enough that it's going to have a pretty good run at the box office. And it's got to deal with Avatar, which is out right now and just eating up millions of dollars. You know, much to the chagrin of any James Cameron hater. Uh, speaking of AI, um, but I think Megan's going to do pretty well for for what it is, because it's entertaining, and they probably knew if they could just open it up a little bit to a few more younger kids, you could add that many more dollars and it didn't, and you you said it, it didn't really hurt this film. I kind of, yeah, I wanted more blood and guts because I'm a, I'm a psycho. That's what we do. That's <laughs> our job. Our job is to be into that shit. Right. But if what's true and there is a, uh, and I bet there is, knowing that it's James Wan and Jason Blum, um, there is a gory version of this movie. I bet it exists. And then guess what? All the, uh, the hard copy people, all, all the physical media people, when, when Megan Uncut comes out, it, they're going to sell like gangbusters too. Now they're selling physical media on top of that. So I think it was a business strategy that will probably work out really well. And again, Damon, I think you, you and I both agree, it doesn't detract from how fun this movie is. It's, this movie is a joyride
1: it is and, and my only disagreement there about the kids factor I get what you're saying and but going back to a film we just talked about earlier from our, our friends David and Justin the boy behind the door has children in it now it's a much different but it doesn't subject, have a doll in it but it but it's a much different subject matter but it has children but they that film <laughs> oh, is a, that film is a hard R and it's
0: very disturbing <laughs> yeah. now that, I, don't show that film to your 10 year old please.
1: understanding that understanding it's a much different film but Megan I feel like again that's the that's where it that's where it lost me so slightly was because I there are moments in this film where you know they stopped doing what they were doing because they had to make a PG-13 and that always bugs me because there's a lot of moments great moments in this film where you know they edited it out and when you say there's an uncut version I get what you're saying and I'll probably be right there in line and buy the blu-ray or 4k when it comes out I get it and I understand that But there are definitely moments in this film where they said cut (laughs) when the moment went further. And that just, it bums me out because I know this could have been a slight, and again, to be clear, I'm complaining right now. It's people like, wow, you didn't like, I liked the movie. I really did. It didn't, it didn't detract from my enjoyment, but it still left me wanting a bit more.
0: Now. That I think said, I don't think there's I don't think I bet you there are scenes that are full blown. I don't think I don't think there was like they they stopped. I bet there's I bet there's a hardcore version of this movie. I'm almost catching no, me no, down here. No, that's what I'm
1: saying. That's what I'm saying. But no, I'm not saying they stopped. Short. I'm saying they they cut. Like they said, "Okay, hold on. We can't go that far. Cut that and we're going to make you That's what bugs me. Like the version of this film where they showed everything that they shot, or showed everything that they made, and somewhere, someone, some executive, some studio person—maybe it was James Wan—I have no idea. Someone somewhere said, "You know what? If we just cut that, and we just cut that, and we just edited that, yeah, this will be a PG-13 film." And that bugs me because I know that the R version probably exists, and I think it would have taken this film from being really good to great. You know what I mean? Because because the story elements are strong. The performances are really, really well done. And the story, while it's not the most innovative new version of a story you've ever heard you know a little girl goes to live with her aunt who didn't expect to be a parent her aunt just happens to be a scientist who builds robots for a living there's a lot of satire in this film um about you know kids growing up with like a virtual reality world where they're they're growing up with friends on ipads versus friends in real life the little girl in this movie uh is is a girl who was homeschooled by her parents and yep. you can tell she doesn't really have those social skills with other children they actually mentioned that in this film so it's a it's a there's a again a bit of satire a bit of social commentary and they're not beating you over the head with it i know some people are like oh my god not social commentary it's not to the point where they're like bludgeoning you over the head with it but there's a bit of that so the film is strong in so many ways. So let me be clear about that. Like I said, this film, you know, the film is strong in so many ways. It's just like the difference between this film and let's say a film like get out, which they're totally different films. I use that reference because get out was a film that wasn't based upon kills or gore or, you know, those kind of big set pieces. Right. But it was still terrifying based on the subject. They didn't need that. They didn't need to show gore and kills because that's not that film. This was Megan was a film built around kills and built around a killer killer robot. So again, it's just that one step they could have gone for. Now again, I'm also complimenting this because all the elements I just mentioned are very good and very strong. And to be fair, to be honest, I walked out of the theater feeling pretty satisfied. That was my only real complaint. I'm just bringing it up because I want to I want to warn cuz I would say 95% of the movies we review on here are R-rated movies and we always have categories like best kill, best gore and things like that. Be aware this is PG-13. That's my only warning. It's not like a it's not mm-hmm. a don't go see this. I still really enjoyed this film. Again, that's just the one thing that kind of bugged me about this one.
0: Yeah, no, I totally. I it for guys like us, right, people like us, because I, there's there's plenty of horror fans of all stripes. We want that nastiness. We want that gore. We want that. We want that maybe more sinister kill. Yeah. Um. But. I was also just having so much damn fun that it didn't take away from anything, I think. And I know you agree with me on that. Like at at the end of the day, it's still like a really fun movie. Like I said, it really, really reminded me of some of a of a plot and a premise I would have seen in the 1980s. It just in the 1980s, it would have it would have been really bad. You would have you would have (laughs) laughed at a movie like Megan in the 1980s because they just didn't have that like perfect spark of uh, creativity in there and cleverness that this film does. This is a really clever movie that kind of works on a bunch of different levels. I think it'll work for different groups of people in different ways all the way. It'll work for parents in a certain way. It'll work for women in a certain way. It'll work for uh, engineers, (laughs) tech engineers in a certain way. Uh, It'll work for horror fans in in a whole different way. It'll work for people who have uh, uncanny valley phobias in a completely different way. So this movie offers a lot gives a lot and uh you know now i'm sort of thinking about well am i gonna buy the (laughs) megan uncut probably because i want to see what those kills look like
1: yeah and i i like i am a big big fan of films about technology gone wrong i mean one of my all-time favorite films is the terminator i have the terminator arm tattooed on me so just to give you a heads up how much i love that you know I love the Terminator Is it um, tattooed
0: on your arm as your arm It is though that's the, ta- that's, yeah, okay. yeah, that's,
1: the, that's the Terminator arm <laughs> yeah. um, So I love the Terminator one of my All time favorite films. of course T2 is also great But I love the original Terminator um, Of course Alien and Aliens both Introduce you know artificial intelligence Androids in those films so yeah. I love And I, I'm a huge fan of Black Mirror The show on Netflix I love Black Mirror A lot of those episodes have stuck with me for years I really enjoy Black Mirror So I love technology gone wrong as a premise. So I was kind of already a bit of the audience they were not trying to cater to with this film because I was already kind of like I get it. And the way they did it in this film there's so like there's an element of creepy and scary and you know kind of like a cautionary tale of what technology can do but there's also like a really funny satire at the center oh, yeah. of this film where they re- like the, uh, the to give you a, a, again this is a minor spoil very minor spoil I'm saying spoiler because this is like I'm talking about the the opening of the movie is a commercial <laughs> for a kids toy the opening is that the opening is a commercial for a kids toy and it's really funny and yeah. it feels 100% like something you would see on Saturday morning television without a doubt it looks yeah. like something you would see on there, and it is—it so, is really funny. And the way it opens is so brilliant, and it really—I loved that because I didn't see that coming. When the film opens, and it's boom—you're right in this commercial for, um, for a pet for children, you know, basically a, a toy pet for children, which you know we all have yeah, seen versions it's called of. Called perpetual that, pets. Perpetual pets. Yes, there you go. It's so funny. And the way they do it and the commercial's so hilarious, you know, it reminded me of like you've seen it doesn't go as far as this, but you've seen the commercials that they do on South Park, which they're like the funny, like the really goofy versions of like oh, the, yeah. the, the MTV commercial that they do on on South Park. It kind of reminded me that like it's it's real, but it's also funny enough Do you know, they're mocking you for these like
0: commercials. And it was really well done. I really enjoyed that aspect. You know what it really, really reminded me of? Was Paul Verhoeven's satire?
1: Oh yeah, it, great it was example. Very,
0: it was very reminiscent of RoboCop. It was very reminiscent of Starship Troopers, uh, where where they're really making a, like a hilarious satire on the state of things in the world today. Because we do know, and I know, I mean, I, as a parent, I'm trying constantly to rip the screens away from my kids. There's a like. Part of the opening scene of that is a two parents arguing about their kids spending too much time on screens. I, I actually work in the tech sector, like on the side, do, doing video stuff for the tech sector. I sit in on their their conferences all the time. The tech leaders don't let their kids like spend time on phones or screens at all, at all, zero. The guys who make this, they <laughs> don't, but they're selling it to you. They want you to have it really bad. They don't let their kids touch it. It's like, it's like handing your kids cigarettes for them, but they want your kids to have it. So they make these ridiculous commercials. And I thought to myself, well, I'm watching commercials like that. There's more than one commercial and there's like promotions and the CEO's doing like a promotion himself and saying ridiculous shit. I wish we had best line on this one because I could have plucked like at least five best lines, um, but we don't have it for this. Um, it was very Paul Verhoeven where it was like, look at the world you're in right now and look how ridiculous it is. Look what they're trying to sell you. And they're not even trying to hide how stupid it is. And, uh, and I just, I really appreciated that. That was that extra level, that extra thing that you could appreciate.
1: I'm upset right now because I went South Park and you went much better with Paul Verhoeven. Because as <laughs> in my notes, rarely does a week go by that I don't say to somebody, "I'd buy that for a dollar." Uh, <laughs> I love RoboCop, and I actually, I love Starship Troopers—one of my all-time favorite sci-fi films. I adore Starship Troopers. Great yeah. pull. That you're absolutely right. It does feel very much like that, where there is that satire built in, the irony built into the commercials that are really funny, and just the underlying message of. Oh, I think, I think, I think the underlying message of 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 RoboCop and Starship Troopers, and to a, maybe a different extent, Megan, be careful what you wish for. Yes, be careful 100%. what you wish for because one one of the elements of this film, and it's, I mean, it's like I said, it, it probably won't get talked about a lot because this film is funny at moments. It's. You know it, it's it's a well plotted Well crafted one element of this movie to talk About is like I mentioned earlier about the Little girl being homeschooled now I'm not saying you Shouldn't homeschool your children I don't have kids so I'm not Telling you how to, ch- how to teach your children so let me Be clear about that but Damon's
0: teaching Your <laughs> kids corner yeah
1: uh, Yeah I was I, I could easily yeah that was That was another career path somebody's like you should become a Teacher I was like no I shouldn't become a teacher because I have An English degree everyone's like you should become a teacher I'm like no I shouldn't no. Um, I have an English Literature degree and like you know you can get your teaching I, I was like no the fuck I can't um, <laughs> (laughs) Um, Anyways, um, what they uh, what they draw into this is is the attachment that this this girl has to Megan, the the robot and how it's almost like an unhealthy relationship. It's almost, you know, when I was growing up and this kind of puts us in our age bracket, Patrick. We remember when we had like imaginary friends, as kid, we all had imaginary yeah, friends and you're, we learned over time and parents learned over time through psychology and everything like that can be damaging. Cause you're not, you're not actually building relationships with real people. You're just dependent on this imaginary friend or your toys or whatever. You're not, you're not socializing. And so it's dangerous to a certain, so there's an element of that built in here, which is Kind of terrifying in this movie. Like it's kind of—I don't have kids. You do, so I can only imagine like how hard it hit for you.
0: Oh yeah, I came home and I was like, "Throw away all the goddamn iPads right now!" <laughs> Megan's gonna grow arms and legs and walk around our, like a just be iPad body running around our house trying to cut me in half. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's honestly, there is that cautionary tale portion of this. And it's funny, like I remember um, a, 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 a show I liked and I, I want to say you were into it too, Silicon Valley. You watched oh, yeah, Silicon I love Valley Silicon Valley.
1: Valley. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. It
0: just reminded me of something that uh, Kumail Johnny tweeted something a long time ago when the show was still super popular is that they would go before every season. They'd go up to San Jose where all the tech companies are. And they'd go around and learn about the new technologies um, just to kind of, you know, get get immersed in the world for a little while before they started the show. And sometimes they'd come across a piece of technology and one of the guys would raise his hand. It could be Kamel, It could be any of the other guys. And they'd go, hey, didn't you think that like maybe people might abuse that and like use it for evil? (laughs) And the engineer would look at him sideways like, no no we didn't think about that at all no. anyway so it works like and it's just like <laughs> they don't think about that and yeah. so i thought that and we haven't mentioned her name yet and it stars allison Williams as gemma our our chief engineer of the megan doll she's a very driven very focused creator in her own right work obsessed and sort of And now she gets a, an eight-year-old thrown in her lap and believe me i've met and known and worked with a lot of engineers you probably don't want to give them an eight-year-old they're not they're not really built for that kind of stuff and she plays that role really well um you know she's not thinking about the consequences of putting together a machine that will basically just keep a child busy so you can do things that are and i quote <laughs> more really important to your life <laughs> never mind like, a, like raising a child if you have one is pretty important to your life but this frees you this frees you up to do things that are really important <laughs> i was like geez like it it, if it wasn't if it didn't hit so close to home for somebody like me who has actually worked in the sector i would think it was pure parody like pure not even satire just like okay well that's not that's not a thing that happens it's a fucking thing that happens it's a real thing that happens so that cautionary tale aspect of megan i really appreciate on that whole other level there's tons of philosophical discussions about Letting technology raise your children—that's a—that's an aspect in here that I think is is explored rather brilliantly. It's one of—I think it's one of the more um, sophisticated ideas that is laid out. The one, the more sophisticated themes in the whole movie. I love and appreciate that because this movie can be a lot of fun. It can be creepy. It can be exciting. It can be an action movie. It can just make you go, "Holy shit, that's weird!" But it also has. That underlying smartness to it, which I really appreciate. I know you're a story guy. I'm a story guy. You like a good story that sometimes it can make or break a movie. This one had it. This one had a great story, something that kept me on the hook from the beginning to the end.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I love stories built around technology because I'm with you with that. I'm 100. percent Like I said, I was raised on I was raised. I mean, in a way, I was raised on that. I was raised in the television era where yeah, I was my on parents TV. my parents would sit me down in front of the TV when they wanted to occupy my time and they didn't want they didn't want to deal with me for a little while. They just plot me in front of the TV, turn on a channel I liked. I would. I mean, I, I used to wake up every Saturday morning before my parents. I would get up, I'd go fix myself a big bowl of cereal, and I'd sit down in front of the TV and watch cartoons for like four hours. Yeah, that's what I was conditioned to do that was the, the Megan of our era was sitting down in front of a television. And we've all, we probably everyone that grew up in the eighties and nineties lived a similar lifestyle. And now it's iPads, it's phones, but yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. And uh, this film takes it to that next level. And again, I know, you know I mentioned black mirror earlier, black mirror is very much about that. Like, you know, be careful what you wish for technology. Like, you know, you'll get it, but then you know remember the consequences of, of what comes along with this uh every time i see one of those videos pop up on youtube or tiktok or twitter or whatever where it shows like the robots that are like opening doors and climbing buildings and like everyone's like we're like one step away from terminator i'm like we're really not that far away and like people just and you're and what to your point you said earlier the engineers are, like i don't why would why would we why would it be bad that a robot can pull out a gun and shoot you know three thousand rounds a second why, I don't,
0: why would that be be bad i don't understand how could that go wrong Uh, what's wrong with a robot that feeds off dead bodies for energy was that a problem yeah that's recycling
1: there was a there was a robot that did that did you see that feeds on on organic matter and no one's no one rang the red no one rang the alarm on that one until everyone's like um do we think maybe it's a bad idea that the robot that feeds on human flesh is a bad idea um (laughs) I don't know, but yeah, like that's the, we are so oblivious to that. And, and, you know, and this film does a great job of putting it in a satirical way that is also relevant yet funny and also scary and creepy. And again, that's the real strength of this movie to me. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. All right. With that being said, let's get into categories, which means we are now going to get into spoilers. So if you haven't seen Megan yet, go check it out. It's in theaters now. I think if you can tell from the first half of this show, Patrick and I both really enjoyed it. So go watch it. Or again, if you just don't care about spoilers, we are now going to get into that. And Patrick, let's kick things off as we do each and every week on the show and talk about best performance, because ultimately this is kind of a small cast, which I enjoy. I actually really like casts that are kind of small like this. Um, Even though it doesn't, it's by no means does it feel like a low budget movie. It's obviously a big budget movie. It's a universal film, but a a relatively small major cast in this film. So for you, who was the best performance in Megan?
0: My best performance went to Amy Donald slash Jenna Davis, as Megan. Yes, Megan was played by an actual, I think, eight or nine year old or 10 year old named Amy Donald. Um, So when you see that in the trailer, somebody, you know, this robot kind of dancing around, that's a child. It's actually a child in the Megan outfit with a wig on and a a silicon face over Um, and then voiced by, I I believe she's about 18 years old, uh, this woman named Jenna Davis. Um, I was just enthralled by this robot. And it Credit to Akilah Cooper's great writing, and it felt very like I think you probably because I know you really loved *Malignant*. There are shades of *Malignant* in this. It's almost like *Malignant* 2.0 in its own weird way, hundred um, percent. And so I could feel the cleverness of Akilah's writing behind the dialogue in Megan and and the interactions that she had. And let's just let's let's face it, Damon. Yes, we had a. Uh, um, Alison, uh, uh, Allison Williams in the, in the movie, but the star of the show was Megan. And I, I just, I had to give it to her. I thought it was a fantastic performance.
1: Yeah. I think that uh, also Allison Williams, I mentioned get out. She was also in get out of yeah. course. So that's probably one of her most famous roles. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what, again, the strength of a lot of this is built around the robot itself. And because it's like a human like robot, you know, you do have to have like a really, a really like, measured performance from whoever is behind that mask, so to speak, because again, there's a version of this where it's really badly done, where it's overly robotic or it's overly human. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like where you don't know that it's like not a robot. The way they do it in this film is it's really well orchestrated Um, To where it's a perfect mix, you know, you don't lose sight again, not to keep bringing up the Terminator, but it's like watching the original Terminator and the mannerisms and the movements and the way that the Terminator talks like you can tell something's off. Like you may not tell that it's a robot under human skin, but you can tell something's off. That's kind of what Megan does, where it's 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 human enough to where it's creepy, but it's also robotic enough to where you're like, something's not right here. And Mm. that's what this performance does for
0: me. And I really enjoyed that as well. Oh yeah. I mean, listen, it's, I'm, I'm really curious to see how a sequel pans out because I think, I think, I think people are going to fall in love. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I think you're going to fall in love with Megan in a really weird way. Like at one point she gets oddly heroic, um, because, you know, she's dealing with Katie You know, she's, she's basically thrust in front of Katie who has just lost her parents and, uh, and Allison Williams, Gemma, just does not have time for a kid right now. She is trying to to make this big project happen at work, so she uses her cool AI robot to spend time with this kid. And uh, and and at one point in front of all the executives, the kid is crying, and it looks like Gem is about to fall flat on her face because the kid is not like, not not being happy in the moment. Well, Megan comes in and saves the day and talks to her in a genuine, warm and nice and good way about loss and how to cope with it and how to deal with it. And a super smart and like a, a way that you would want to tell even a grown adult, like here's how you should handle loss. And it makes Katie feel better. And all the executives are like cheering and crying <laughs> and they're happy because Megan is so great. On the flip side, Megan also kills a dog. I mean, she's, she's, she's vicious and she can be caring. And truth be told, her whole kind of like mission- and her whole, her whole marching order is to protect Katie at all costs and it starts to escalate in, in, in an insane way and that's how you get the plot of Megan but you get it through this great double performance uh, from um, from uh, Amy Donald and Jenna Davis.
1: Yeah, you talk about the um, the cautionary tale part of it, where the scientists don't realize what they do when they embedded Megan with the protect order. You protect her from emotional yeah. from emotional and physical harm. They don't realize like you can't just give something like that a blanket statement. And you know, like you know, yeah. <laughs> that's like putting an armed guard at your front door and saying don't let anyone in. Well, you didn't mean to like not let anyone in. You know, shoot them <laughs> dead when they come to your door. That's not really the order you're supposed to give. Yeah. And AI that's is kind, very literal. And that's kind of where the technology, the, the literal marching order for Megan is protect Katie at all costs. And she does violently. Uh, <laughs> violently. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was a great performance. But for me, I'm actually going to go on the other side of this because you and I, have, and we've been very honest, you and I almost in a way, we, we don't, we don't feel bad, but we're very honest. When we see films with child actors, we're honest enough to say that a child actor, listen, we understand it's kind of, we feel bad when it's a nine or 10 year old and we're like yeah they were not good Uh, because again they're not you know but but the reality is is listen they're in a movie you gotta be good and 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 child actors can make or break this again going back to our friends who did Boy Behind the Door we praised them because those performances were really strong and again there's a version of that movie where you don't get good child actors and it's really Mm. bad Um, so my best performance goes to Violet McGraw as Katie Um, 9 year old girl and she absolutely kills it in this movie she is so like i mean her mannerisms as a child of dealing with grief the loss of her parents and then reblossoming in a way when she meets megan and then the way she becomes withdrawn from the rest of the world because megan's her entire world at that point like she doesn't really have time or the capacity to care about even her aunt or anyone else around them because megan kind of becomes her whole world um it's so well done. And, and Violet McGraw, for people who are like, where do I know her from? She was in the first season of The Haunting of Hill House. She was a little girl in The Haunting of Hill House. She was great in that show, too, by the way. Um, but she just does a really, really good job. And, like, this is one of those roles at the end of the year where I'm like, she deserves award nominations. Like, she's so good in this role, and she sells it so well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as awards, but actually truth be told, she was my number two pick. I was, it was between her and the, and the girls who play Megan. Um, it is a, it is a kind of a gut wrenching performance at times because this is a kid who's going through serious loss. Um, you know, the, the movie kind of skirts around it sometimes I I think just for the, for the sake of kind of having to be a horror movie rather than being a proper drama. Um, but that's not, that's no fault of her acting. And when she is, when she needs to turn it on, she turns it on. Um, and when she needs to be a kid, she feels like a kid. And I think that's super important. Uh, And that's what we've talked about in the past is that authenticity. It's like, I don't want a a kid actor who thinks they are Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. I want a kid actor who it just is a kid and, and, and behaves the way a kid would behave. That's exactly what she does in this movie. And I think that's why that performance works so well.
1: Yeah. It's a really strong one. Let's talk about best scare in Megan, because this film is of course is
0: a horror film. Um, So what was your best scare in Megan? well you you noticed a couple of times Damon I th- this movie's actually I wouldn't say light on scares but I'd say there's a, there's like very specific punctuated like scares this is the intent we intend to scare you in this moment but right off the top there were two dog scares like dog jumping up to to bark at somebody's window and another one like a dog's attacking so I was like is that is that gonna be what we're having well my best scare went for Megan attacking the dog because the dog attacked first uh, or not not attacked, but kind of jumped up and scared Katie. And then later on it attacks Megan and then turns around and Megan attacks back. And I just wasn't ready for Megan to attack like a dog herself. And she went after that dog. And that, that didn't make me like jump out of my seat, but I was like, Oh, okay. I'm caught off guard by this. That was probably my least favorite part of the movie. Not because it wasn't scary,
1: but because when you harm animals, when you harm a dog as a dog owner, I was like, Nope, bridge too far. Uh,
0: (laughs) But it's important to do that to make sure you don't fall in love with Megan, because oh, you I'm, easily could.
1: Well, yeah, there's another scene I'll talk about in a second, my favorite scare, where I was kind of, like, rooting for Megan in a way. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. right. Like, that's the scene. But, yeah, the first, I'll be honest, the one that got me the best, the jump scare, was when the dog jumped up on the window. I jumped out <laughs> of my seat. I was like, holy shit. Uh, it definitely got me. Uh, that was one of the ones where it got me. And there's a couple of moments like that. But, yeah, that was a good one. And that was the one, like, again, because th- there are moments in this film where you're kind of like, rooting for Megan you know and so that's mm-hmm. one where you kind of go in the other direction where I was like
0: fuck this robot uh yeah, so yeah I think it was important to kind of put that out front to go you actually do want to think in your mind fuck this robot yeah because everything we're going to show you from here on out is going to lull you into a sense of like actually kind of rooting for her or you so don't forget that she's vicious enough to kill a dog that's the best way the not the best way I should say but it's an easy way to make an enemy in your film is have them mistreat an animal. Then immediately the audience is like, well, fuck that guy. Fuck that girl. They're mistreating an animal. There's no way I'm going to like them the rest of this movie. And that's a smart thing to do here because there are moments where you are going to be lulled into a sense of security with Megan around.
1: So my best scare kind of plays into that a little bit about the rooting for Megan moment. But I also want to use this as a mention of we've complained about this on the show before Patrick, trailers really need to stop giving away the best parts of movies and trailers because it really drives me insane because my favorite scare in this film at one point, uh, Gemma played by Allison Williams decides it's time for her niece to go to school and her, her niece had gone to homeschool before well she's a single person working at a robotics company or, or a toy company actually called Funky which I thought was it Funky or something I think it was something like a Funky yeah, yeah. Yeah, Funky obviously play on Funko which is kind of funny um, mm-hmm. but like uh, she's working she can't stay at home and teach her child so she has to put her in she puts her into like a weird alternative school where they learn outdoors and they're going in like a, a chess not hunt or something and and katie gets paired with like a kid who looks like one of those kids who plays the little league world series where he's actually like 23 but he's pretending to be a 12 year old uh yeah. he's way older and way bigger than the rest of the kids um and he's a he's a he's a bully i mean that's ultimately what he is he's a bully and so he gets paired immediately as soon as they get out in the woods this kid starts bullying katie well megan ain't playing that shit uh and so the scene that they put in the trailer is—you see the a little bit of the scene where Megan tells the boy run, and and she goes after, him and that's where you see that crazy like spider-like almost crawl like you know sprinting through the woods. Yeah. Um, it's longer in the film, which is why it's my best scare because it's longer and more involved and 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 kind of disturbing because the little boy tries to like play with Megan and you're like, where is this going? It's getting a little dark right now. Cause he's like slapping the doll and like, you're like, what, this is getting pretty creepy and weird. And then the doll, you know, comes back to life and is like, Oh, do you want to play? And you know, <laughs> anyways, so when she, when you see that turn in the, in the doll's, animated face where she goes run and then she starts coming after this boy full bore and he's running through the woods it's actually a really effective moment again my only complaint is I wish they hadn't put any of it in the trailer and I understand why yeah. you tease that in the trailer I get it but like that was like a genuinely like well done scary movie you know remind me of a little, a little bit as uh, do you remember the movie uh, fear the Mark Wahlberg Reese yeah. Witherspoon movie oh, yeah. there's a movie there's a moment where Mark Wahlberg finally gets exposed as like the psychopath and she goes after this guy friend of, of Reese Witherspoon's and he tells him his story of being grown up in abusive homes or whatever and then at one point the boy runs to the woods and Mark Wahlberg Marky Mark is just chasing him sprinting through the wall the, the, the woods and it's an intense couple of moments where you're like oh shit and that's kind of what this reminded me of Was like just this it's an intense moment or two of like this boy running for his life in this creepy ass robot like trotting through the woods
0: on all fours coming after him it was an effective scare it's definitely one of those oh shit moments and it it is freaky seeing megan crawl around like that like some sort of sprinting spider yeah i wish they hadn't shown in the trailer i know why they did that would have been a, a really creepy reveal in the movie Yeah. So
1: with that being said, let's talk about best kill uh, Mm. because there are kills in this movie. Now, I'll be honest. It's not over the top. Um, I, again, probably could have used a few more for my sick, twisted horror mind. Uh, But what was
0: your best kill in uh, in Megan? My best kill uh, now, you know, for all the other parents listening, brace yourself. It is when Megan um, sort of kills Brandon. Brandon is the bully that Damon is just talking about. Um, If you're a parent, you know, you don't want your kid being bullied. And they set up Brandon really well to be just a villainous little shit. (laughs) And you just don't like him. And they give you no reasons to like him, no reasons at all for him to be sympathetic. And he's downright abusing not only Katie, but Megan too. Like he's, and you're not necessarily like in Megan's camp at this point, but you're watching him kind of like, fuck with this doll and you're like what a fucking fucking sight look a little patrick bateman here like what the fuck is wrong with this kid and of course megan decides to teach him a lesson and i wrote in my notes megan teaches uh, brandon a lesson and uh, no one seems to be too upset about it
1: <laughs> that <laughs> because was, that was the moment i talked about where i was rooting i was kind of like you know i'm not rooting for a child to die let me be clear about that but when he <laughs> runs in front of a truck and gets hit and like megan's coming after him for bullying the little girl i was kind of like you know what fuck this kid uh so like in that <laughs> moment i was kind of like rooting for megan i was like that's what i'm talking about where i was like all right you know what megan you're kind of justified in, in, in going after brandon you know so um
0: <laughs> it's, it's it, it was a good job by everybody in, in, involved in that situation because you, you do sort of you go yeah like, yeah i'm not too upset about megan killing that one
1: yeah i'm not not not, not really against that I'm not, like, I'm not
0: really bothered by that <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: So my best kill was probably the one that, that pushed the envelope the most. And the one that I was like, man, I just wish I'd been able to see a little bit more was when Megan goes after the next door neighbor mm-hmm. and the next door neighbor is this really annoying woman who doesn't, you know, doesn't take care of her. her she doesn't, it doesn't, she doesn't take care of her at all. She doesn't, discipline her dog because the dog always keeps running across into the into Jim's lawn and pooping in the lawn and jumping up on the window and scaring Katie and the the woman just does nothing about it. The
0: dog's kind of aggressive. Yeah, aggressive
1: dog and the woman. So when the dog goes missing after Megan deals with the dog, the woman becomes convinced that some Jim had did something to the dog. And so she calls the cops and all these kind of things. So at one point, Megan finally just decides to dispatch this woman on her own. And it's a really well done creepy scene because she makes makes noises like the dog and mm-hmm. so she lures this woman into like a woodshed and then she comes after her with a freaking nail gun nails her to the floor which is probably one of the only kind of gory scenes and that's not yeah. really gory but it's a you know it's an effective you know nail through the hand kind of moment and then creatively Kudos, because she uses a power washer mm-hmm. to basically blow this woman's face off. And that's where I'm talking <laughs> about. They could have got oh, because yeah. we actually could have seen this woman's face get obliterated by a power washer. It would have been pretty cool. They yeah. stopped short of that because it is PG-13. But still, creatively, I was like, damn, that was kind of cool. Like, use a power washer to literally rip this woman's skin off her face.
0: I'm definitely looking forward to the uncut version of that because I have not seen a power washer kill before, and I really want to see how that one played out. Yeah, it reminded me like I'm always again
1: as a horror fan, I'm always in the mood for creative kills. It reminded me of using a bread slicer in uh, Fear Street back in one of my favorite my favorite favorite film of 2021, the, the bread slicer kill. And I was like, that's a creative, cool way to use that. Mm-hmm. Power washer. We know there it's ejecting water at like un unbelievable. I mean, you're not supposed to stand in front of a power washer. Imagine can yeah, you, you dire- cut your fingers off. Yeah, imagine getting one directly in your freaking face. I mean, I was like, <laughs> damn, that was pretty
0: brutal. So that was my favorite kill. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the full breadth of that scene.
1: Yeah. So I guess one thing we want to talk about here when we get into into categories is talking about artificial intelligence, because Patrick, we are in a day and age where artificial intelligence is real. It's no longer a theoretical thing. I mean, it's, it's in our, it's in our everyday lives in a lot of ways. So I'm curious, you know, what, what artificial intelligence, if you, whether it's out there and you can't afford it, or you're thinking about it, you're like, that would be a good idea. What artificial intelligence would you like in your life and what could the potential risks of that artificial intelligence be? So play engineer, but this <laughs> time you're actually going to come up with like why it's a bad idea.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you what I need for sure. What I need with a family of four and kids who uh, who just want to eat fucking gummy bears all day. I need an AI chef. I need a chef that can learn and what we like how to make it healthy and how to cook it safely now the i don't need to tell you the ai the horror the ai horror potential for something that uses your kitchen knives <sighs> your fire your boiling oil there there, there is a megan sequel in there. there there's like a megan spin-off for sure where a chef uh, an ai chef runs amok, because uh yeah let's let's be honest fire sharp things uh <laughs> salmonella poisoned meat there are plenty of potential horror situations to go but damn it damon i still need that ai i'm still gonna buy it
1: yeah 100 well so to my point mine actually takes yours a slight step further there was a show i believe it was an amc show here in america but i believe it was a bbc show over in england i think or channel 4 Uh, It was a show called Humans. It actually had a great cast. It had Jimmy Chan in it. Uh, Really, really Mm -hmm. good. I don't know if you ever heard of this. I heard of it, yeah. Yeah, It's basically, it it also had William Hurt in it before his passing. Um, It was a really, really good show about basically android robots that were created to serve humanity, which is how it always starts. But these were set up for very specific reasons. So, like, one of them was, again, there's versions who were basically like sex workers, where you could buy a doll and it would basically be, and it was very human, very lifelike. My point is, I know this sounds really generic, but in all honesty, as busy as I am, the kind of AI or kind of synthetic android that I would need is the android who would do the menial tasks that I don't have time to do. So I'm talking about food shopping, I'm talking about doing dishes, I'm talking about taking out the trash. I know that sounds so generic, <laughs> but as a guy who works, you know, 60, 70 hours a week in my job as a journalist, and I'm on in front of the computer, there's little things that I just don't have time to do, or when I have a rare day off, that I'm like, oh man, do I really, God, I have to do that, I do laundry on my day off, like I have one day off and I have to do laundry. I know that sounds so generic and people are like, bitch more about something that's really not that bad. But But these little menial tasks that, like, I have to do and I don't, like, based on my job, I don't really have a lot of time, so I have to make time to do them. And then I lose time to just do something like, oh, I don't know, meditate or just relax and watch a frickin' movie. I don't have those kind of times. So, like, that would be my ideal situation. And that show Humans was set up like that. Now, it goes completely haywire and goes (laughs) completely wrong, as all these situations do. Imagine, you know, you give a robot control over your house and then suddenly it becomes their house. (laughs) <laughs> you're you're no longer the overlord. They're suddenly uh, like when you you know, you don't pick up a plate and you're like Damon. You didn't put away your plate. I'm like, oh, I'll put it away later. And then a neck a knife goes through my neck. I told you to put that fucking plate away, Damon. Uh, that's my fear. It's like I would be like, Oh yeah, you can run the house and then that's my blanket order. And then next thing you know, I'm waking up with chains around my ankles and hands, and they're like, Get up, bitch. You're you're up in the morning. I'm like, Oh my god, I gave the robot the run of the house.
0: Damon, we're not watching Shutter tonight. I want to watch Real Housewives of New York City. No,
1: yeah. please help. Yeah, like
0: that's like that's again,
1: that's the blanket order. I'm like run the house, and yeah, then then that's the end of me. So uh, yeah, that's what I would do. I know it's very generic, but in all honesty, that's what I could use the most, and it would also be the one that would one hundred percent go wrong really badly. <laughs>
0: i used to have a podcast with spilled bag of ice as some people might know him from twitter and we actually used to have an ai producer for our podcast <laughs> really? and, uh, and because the podcast premise was we'd get a prompt at the beginning and then we had to spin it into a story within an hour so we actually had a story that was like workable into a script by the end of the podcast and we had it we had what we called the ai producer we just found some random like like a premise prompt on like online and you type in random words and it would put a prompt up for you. So I have actually used an AI to assist me in parts of my life before. Yeah. So um, it's coming. I mean, I guess you. we're doing it every day. I guess I, I'm sure there's tons of AI intelligence. In my oh, phone. I'm
1: a hundred percent. hundred percent. So with that being said, we also talked about this being the latest you know, AI movie and, and there's lots of them out there. And I, I didn't realize until I started doing the research How many artificial intelligence films And TV shows I've enjoyed like over The years now I mentioned Terminator at the start Terminator is kind of one of the most iconic Versions but I mentioned Alien and Aliens when you talk about the android You know the the synthetic person uh, Lance Hendrickson of course a great person Of course uh, the original Alien was a Terrifying moment when the When the uh, when um, uh, what's his name
0: uh, uh, Ash Ash is revealed When when Ash Ash is revealed and
1: goes After Ripley and it's freaking terrifying In that moment one of the scariest films that one of the scariest moments in that movie it has nothing to do with the alien itself it's when ash mm-hmm. flips and goes after ripley um that's good you mentioned robocop we mentioned starship troopers and there's, there's those versions but also again i mentioned black uh black mirror there's so many good versions of that in black mirror um and i know that's a tv show and not a uh not a movie but like black mirror has so many good scary like one of my favorites is one that they've talked about it came out in, in the first season called The Entire History of You which is have you? I don't
0: know have you watched Black Mirror I've seen a lot of it but not like I've not seen every episode
1: The Entire History of You comes up with the premise of basically like these these implants that you put in your eyes almost like contacts and it watches and records everything oh, I did see in your one. life. And this guy finds out, you know, through the, through the, uh, through the app or whatever that his wife has been cheating on him. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, and cause people are, again, done with the best of intentions. Like, you know, you use it, you know, you have a parent or a grandparent going through Alzheimer's and you can go back and relive their lives and help you remember things. And like the concept is better than the reality right like the concept like oh you're gonna it's gonna it's gonna record everything you see great what about the things that you don't want it to remember and see well it's got everything um so that's one and, and you know there's a lot of those so black Mirror's one where it's like everything in black mirror is a cautionary tale of technology but that's mm-hmm. another so i kind of forgot like how many great ai inspired
0: shows and movies i like Oh, we do. There's so many. I mean, shit. And they've been going on for a long time. Let's not forget 1964, 2001, a space odyssey. Right. I mean, that's about, you know, AI run amok blade runner. There's another one where kind of AI runs amok Um, this, but there was one in particular. And of course, you know, I, I immediately thought about Terminator and especially Terminator two, because I think in in the, the original Terminator is awesome. Like I love that movie and it's, I think it's great, but in Terminator two, the idea that the AI could become a friend and protector yeah. was was something that was different and they actually developed a bond, right? You know, the Terminator and, 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 um, and the kid developed a bond. So there, there's that. But then I thought of a movie that didn't quite work for me, that was widely beloved. And I, if I remember correctly, I think you love this movie too. Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. Ex Machina is uh, widely praised as a great movie about the dangers of AI. I found it to be very basic. I found the subject matter to be kind of like typical. And I felt like it went down a very typical path where it was sort of trying to be interesting. And then it just went down the Terminator path. Basically, at one point, it just turns into the Terminator. What I loved about watching Megan was I realized like it while that was just basically the male gaze and the idea of like, hey, let's just make a hot AI and see what happens. That's kind of what Ex Machina is a little bit if I'm being super reductive about it. Megan takes like real needs, real issues, things that are relevant to everybody and goes here's why AI can't fix it. Here's why you need to be wary of AI as a supplement and not a replacement for what the human the, the human psyche needs. I thought Megan was so much more clever than something like Ex Machina. Not that I think Ex Machina sucks. I just didn't like that. Basically, it just boiled down to robot trying to kill people. Even in for Megan, there's there's a reason. She's. I mean, eventually she just kind of takes over. But the objective pretty much remains even all the way to the end. Even when she's trying to destroy even the closest people to Katie, it's still for the intent of like protecting her and being her one and only caregiver. There's still like. They're still objective to it. So I felt like Megan was almost a refined version of something like Ex Machina.
1: I'll disagree. I do like Ex Machina. I really do like that movie. Um, but I think also it's kind of like, you know, the, like when you think about when Ex Machina was made and relative to its time of being a, a the next stage of the killer robot phenomenon, right? Like it, it is the next step up of like a really like you find out spoiler, sorry for spoiler, like when you find out that like you have your entire focus on this movie of being about this one robot Android. And then you find out there's another robot Android mm-hmm. that you didn't know. And it's so like the human, the human, the humanity of the robots yet they're still robots was kind of the point of that movie. And I, I don't, I didn't, I, I didn't lose track of that, but I also remember that it's a movie that was made a decade ago. And it was a little bit more of like the just straight up, terror of a human like robot that you don't know as a robot if that makes sense it's not mm-hmm. like the terminator which which introduces you right away where it's a robot where i agree with you on megan though is it feels like the in a lot of the black mirror episodes it feels like the next evolution of that where it takes the kind of like humans i mentioned that tv show humans where it takes the next step of that where humans does is it kind of takes a bit of the concept of artificial intelligence developing to a point where the machines or the robots develop real feelings right like they're no longer just you know mindless faceless creatures like they actually develop emotion um almost like star trek you know remember what star trek when mr data the android in that show develops his entire purpose for throughout so much of that show is developing It's the one thing that he he doesn't have in that show is he doesn't have emotion. He can't feel what humans feel. So everything's analytical to him. And so that's what humans does. It's the next stage. So that's where I kind of defend Ex Machina because what I get what they're trying to do and also get it was a different time when that film was made. It was a decade ago. I think we've gotten more sophisticated and also a little more intelligent with our artificial intelligence because we now see how far Like when Terminator was made that felt like a foreign concept now like I feel like we are really close to Terminator being like 100% real like when I see some of these robots they are building I'm like we are we are one gun away from being in a yeah, Terminator let's building. not
0: make any like AI war robots because yeah, we like, saw that already We yeah, it doesn't work out that's not are, a good idea we're
1: on that path though you know what I mean and that was 84 <laughs> so wasn't that like wasn't even 40 years Ago. We're we're on that path right now um so you yeah, know like good uh oh go ahead no i just so i feel like like i feel like what what i defend about ex machina and then is i feel like we're evolving films are evolving like megan is a really smart movie because yeah. you talk about it drills down to that one area where it's a, a robot meant to be a protector of a child specifically and how that goes wrong the male Overinflated male ego of building a robot to serve him sounds mm-hmm. basic, but let's be honest, Patrick. That is the overinflated male ego of reality.
0: <laughs> the reality is in about 30 years, that is what most AI robots will do, is they will serve some guy somehow. I like we that are is- <laughs> That we is 100% are, happening.
1: We are one Twitter crash away from Elon Musk Creating <laughs> his own Tesla robot That's a woman and you know, I'm, I'm just <laughs> Saying like, we are yeah, like one, it's like, one Snap of the fingers away from that So I'm just saying like again defending X, but, but you're right in terms of like Megan being the next evolution of that But I appreciate that like because Now we're not just talking about like the robots Gone wrong we're talking about specific robots Going wrong and yeah. that's what kind of What Megan is but Yeah, Artificial, I mean, another great example, a movie that I was, I'm, I'm still not a huge fan of, but the concept of it is minority report predicting crime. And there's actually right. algorithms out there right now that predict crimes and predict crime mm-hmm. waves and things like that. And that's terrifying to me. Like yeah. imagine being in a situation where you're condemned before you had a chance to commit the freaking crime. <laughs> no, that's like I'm awful. not a big, I was not a huge minority report fan, but the concept of minority report is real and terrifying.
0: You know, another movie that stands out that I actually really love and I'm pretty sure I think you did too, was her. Oh, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson. I think it's a great movie, and it's it's a lot like actually. It's kind of it's kind of the Megan story told from a very different perspective. Obviously, taking out the horror aspect and just going like, uh, what are we doing uh, if if we're going to like uh, silo people into their little AI relationships? What like what is the what is the what is the consequence of that? What is the consequence for? creating an AI that can fall in love and then decides like, well, I, you know, I'm a complex being that can love. So I need to do other things. I can't just like, it became a relationship story. And I was like, I thought that one was like extra clever. And I believe it won the Oscar for best original screenplay. I think that, I think
1: it did. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's a really like clever, clever movie along the lines of something like Megan, will Megan get the same kind of awards love? Probably not. We already know that, but I think that the underlying themes of Megan Are something that we can take with us into future AI movies to go like now. We need to be a little more focused. It's not enough to just do a Terminator, like a a new take on a Terminator. Like you've got to, AI runs a lot of things in our lives, AI runs some people's toast. So it's a matter of finding that subject matter and focusing on that a little bit. And Megan does it to great effect.
1: Yeah. And her is a great example of kind of that similar thing where her is about a connection between a person and an artificial intelligence being in this case, it's just a voice. It's almost like a theory and, and it's, and it, and it becomes an attachment and it becomes a debilitating attachment because this guy played by Joaquin Phoenix, he loses the ability to, connect with anybody else because he's so connected to this robotic, you know, this artificial intelligence voice. That's like saying all the right things. And it's like having a girlfriend that you talk to on the phone, but you never see her. And that's kind of what her is. And it just disconnects him from the rest of the world. Um, and, and again, that's kind of what Megan does here with this little kid, like, and they start to realize through this movie, like, you realize that, like, she's losing connection to you as her aunt, because now her entire world revolves around Megan, because that's what you set up Megan to be. Um, yeah. so like her is, a, is a, is a, is a version of that. And I would, I would actually argue, you know, like, I wouldn't say like the Terminator is not simplistic, so I don't want to make no. it sound like that, but the Terminator is like the first stage of evolution. One thing I would recommend is years later, and it's at this point it's a, it's an older show too. But they did the Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles for two seasons right. on Fox, and it's a really really well done show. And that show is the evolution of that, where the robot takes another form, where you get that protective robot, in that movie is played by Summer Glau. But it's the relationship expands beyond even what they did in Terminator 2 because it's a a longer form television show. So there's more involved, you know, more involved in time to create that character and kind of involve that character. But that's kind of what I talk about with like going from like Ex Machina is stage one yeah her is stage two Megan is stage three like kind of the same thing like Terminator is stage one Terminator mm-hmm. two is stage three and then now like Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles were st- I feel like that's what we keep evolving towards is movies that come up with like a generally in a genuinely well done concept of into artificial intelligence and then it keeps escalating <laughs> and yeah I feel like like I joke and say like I feel like we are like one one adventure away from having a real Terminator where we you know like because in the back of your head not to go like all philosophical there Patrick when you when you think about in the back of your head like w- wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to send our own soldiers over mm-hmm. to fight wars and they wouldn't have mm-hmm. to die for these you know for these terrible things great let's send the robots <laughs> what happens when the robots decide like hey
0: why are we what taking happens orders? when there's Russian robots? <laughs> yeah.
1: why, why are we taking
0: orders? Why are they? Why are they listening to us? This North Korean robot sure is pushy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, you're opening like a can of worms. So I'd be like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Instead of doing the rope, the, the uh-huh. army robots. What if we did like a, an AI that that solves. Uh, solves political fucking strife around the world (laughs) because clearly like some of our uh, human counterparts can't do it too well But
1: that's where that's what we talk about with it like and I'm not getting on like a preachy comment about artificial intelligence because I am a technology I'm a technology geek I love technology but like that again when you talk about like the engineers like I don't understand why is that a problem it's like you know in theory sending robots to fight our wars and fight our battles so we don't have to use that sounds amazing it does like I've had so many family members in the military. I've known people in the military who've died. It's a trial. Like I'm not making light of that. So when Mm -hmm. you think about that, like robots would be a great solution. But then you don't think about the repercussion of, like, the continuation of that. And that's, you know, like I said, the, and it's just like you talk about like cooking or, like, the robot cleaning my house. Like, you don't think about the repercussions of, like, what happens one day if you're like, robot, make me dinner? And they're like, here's the Oh, I'm allergic to peanuts. We don't care about your peanut allergy. Eat the fucking dish. And you're like, oh, my God. No, help me. (laughs) We don't think about that, right? I I hate hate onions. (laughs) Please, you're you're thinking about like you're just thinking about the ease of like cook all my meals. Okay, there's your standing order, and then you're like, oh, I can't eat that. You will eat this,
0: and you like it. You must eat all the meals. That's the rule. Yeah. I think what 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 you point out there with the stage 1 through stage 4 of of AI is that AI is teaching human writers to write more clever AI <laughs> movies. Like yeah. now we're getting into a more varied and uh, and nuanced discussion with ai in the movie realm as opposed to just basically making copies of either 2001 a space odyssey or terminator which seems to be how how ai has been flip-flopping for the past 40 years now we can sort of get into a, a definitely something that's a little more uh, specific and interesting and nuanced
1: and that's what megan does megan is a little bit more specific really well. a little more nuanced and really well done and even <laughs> though again i do have minor complaints about the fact that it's PG-13, I feel like this version of an, R, an R-rated Megan, I would have loved. Uh, because damn, seeing someone get their face blasted off with of a power washer, I'm all for that. Uh, but, still didn't ruin the movie, still really enjoyed it. So, our last category is always, Patrick, is it scary? So ultimately, at the end of the day, Megan, is it
0: scary? You know, I mean, listen, again, we say this all the time, Damon and I are highly desensitized, so did it scare me? No, but is it creepy? Yes. Is is there, like I, I mentioned Uncanny Valley early on, some people like absolutely it makes their skin crawl. Like the idea of a doll of any sort freaks a lot of people out. I think that it alone could make people go like, damn, this movie freaks me the hell out. Um, more than anything, I think Megan is fun and smart. And I think whether it scares me or not, it's not keeping me up at night. I'm not scared of any of the dolls in my house, but Damon, I do want to watch it again. And I think that's all that fucking matters. Yeah.
1: It's not scary in tradition in the traditional sense of a horror film, but it's creepy. And it's uh, Mm a, it's a, it's a, it's a very um, unnerving movie in moments. I think that's the best way I would describe it. Unnerving in moments. And you know, what remind me of, I meant to mention this earlier. Did you ever see, the remake of child's play that they did a few years yes, ago. Whatever. I did. Okay. That was one of the only times I have ever considered one. seriously one of the only times I've ever considered getting up and walking out of a movie theater before it was over. Cause it was such a bad version of a movie, Megan, everything that they wanted to do with the child's play remake, where they made a robotic Chucky robot gone wrong. That's really what that film is. They don't do it with like a possessed serial killer in the body of a, of a, of a Chucky doll, like the original Chucky. Um, this was like a robot gone wrong, right? Like that's the kind in a way kind of what Megan is. They're trying to make it like a doll that connects with your child, becomes its friend, all those kind of things, everything they do wrong in that movie, which made me literally want to walk out of the theater and just be like, fuck this movie. They get right in Megan. Like mm-hmm. everything they tried badly to do in that film, they do right in Megan. They actually form that connection. You see why they're connected. There's a reason for them to be connected with the little girl, just having lost her parents. And there's genuinely moments of heart in this movie. Like really your heart. Like you mentioned the scene earlier where the little girl kind of breaks down in tears and Megan consoles her and says all the right things and, and helps her create memories of her parents. Cause she's, she's scared in 10 years she's not going to remember her mom that hit me i was like oh geez was like as a good guy moment. as a guy who's lost his parents now i lost them years later i wasn't a kid but like that hit me i was like damn that's deep like that's mm-hmm. really deep everything that they tried and failed miserably in that film they executed
0: brilliantly in this one now i didn't hate the child's play remake like you did um i thought it was okay but I fully agreed while watching this. I go, this is everything the Child's Play remake wanted to be and couldn't do. Yeah. Because um, I think they were just a little too focused on like, ah, let's just get to the killing. Whereas this movie goes, let's get to the theme. Let's get to the heart of why all this is taking place. Um, and like I said, even at the end of the movie, Megan's true north is still there. She still is just her whole goal is is to protect Katie to a fault. That's the problem. But it, it is ultimately about that and about like trying to sever uh, the connections to, to inanimate things and keeping your human elements in place. So it's it's just an infinitely more clever movie than the Child's re- uh, Play remake was, uh, despite the fact that you hated it and I didn't hate it, but I, I recognize that, yeah, Megan does it way, way better.
1: Megan does, and Megan does it right when other films in this genre do it wrong. And I I think Mm -hmm. that's really the key. Absolutely. All right, folks, that's our officially our first show of 2023. Want to say thank you as always for tuning into the show. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course, over on my website, nerdcoremovement.com. And we are soon coming to YouTube. I know we've been promising that for a while. It is coming in a matter of days, I promise. So stay tuned. The YouTube version of the podcast is coming. Uh, make sure if you have questions, comments, movies you'd like us to review, uh, we got a lot of comments from the best of episode on twitter so thank you for all the folks that reached out to us on twitter gave us suggestions of movies and talked about their favorite movies so thank you so much for that you can always hit us up on email as well that's rot living dead at gmail.com that's rot living dead at gmail.com and you can also find us on twitter i am at damon martin and you are at director patrick and do not forget to follow us on all your other favorite pod all your other favorite social media platforms we are on Instagram we're on Facebook we're also on Twitter just search rewind of the living dead or just rewind of living dead on any of the social media platforms you'll find us on there and hit us up with those messages as well we would gladly take your suggestions got a couple of them already leaning into the new year so we're very excited to talk about that obviously we got a big year ahead tons of great horror releases I feel like now that we're kind of out of the pandemic era Patrick and we're all going Going back to the theaters i feel like this is going to be an even as big of a year as 2022 was for horror i feel like 2023 might be even bigger because we've already got like 10 films in the first like four months so we're ready to review so this is gonna be a huge year
0: I know. I'm already feeling like the slate's filling up. Like we, like I'm having to figure out which movies we're gonna review and leave behind for no good reason other than the sheer abundance of them. It's it's looking to be another great horror year. Yeah.
1: So I cannot wait for all that. Uh, I want to say a big thank you as always for everyone that tunes in. We will see you next week for another edition of Rewind of the Living Dead. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then.
0: Peace.